0: And children, you may be dismissed for young disciples. That's our children's church program. If you're new here today and have a child who's K through 6, you can accompany them down the hall to see where they're going and then rejoin us. Uh, they'll be getting a message that will uh, be right on their level. I'm Pastor Matt. We're so blessed that you're with us today. It's so wonderful to have the Aronas with us today. Got to spend some time with them and I'm just amazed at all that they are doing in Spain to bring the gospel to Uh, just numerous people throughout the country. They are not only pastors and directors of of the rehab facility. They're field directors uh, for so many churches throughout Spain. They are working tremendously to bring the gospel uh, throughout that country. And we don't get to see them a lot because they are national missionaries. They are uh, in a place where they are missionaries at home. And uh, we are so blessed to have them with us today. And uh, it's always good to see brothers and sisters from around the world who are working in Jesus' name for the spread of the gospel. We have been, uh, over the past two weeks now, beginning to talk to you about a program that we are beginning here at Victory Life Church called Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery itself is a program that's nearly 20 years old. And uh, it is a program that is designed to help folks gain freedom, freedom from bondage, freedom from oppression, freedom from what they call hurts, hang-ups, and habits. And those can be all types of uh, different things that people have going on in their lives, hurts that have been unresolved, habits that can range anywhere from uh, drug use to uh, any type of addiction that we would consider uh, maybe not drug use, like addiction to, to food or addiction to television or or addiction to hoarding. Uh, and then, of course, those hang-ups, whether it be anger or depression, whether it, it, it be greed, things that we have begun to call as part of our human experience, call our own. And so we wanted to talk over the course of these last two weeks and now the next three weeks just about the means by which people can gain freedom the means by which people can get on the road to recovery now many years ago I went through undergraduate school and then I went through graduate school and I had to take counseling courses that were part of my studies that made it possible for me to eventually become a pastor and then help people when they have situations going on in their lives And because that was the case, I sat in with some brilliant, brilliant, wonderful folks who were not only clinical psychologists, but they had spent time pastoring as well. So they had both sides of the coin. They were able to minister uh, to people on the clinical psychological level, but they'd also been a pastor like I was going to become. And both in my undergraduate work and my graduate work, eventually halfway through these counseling courses, somebody raised their hand and I remember this vividly because they both gave the same answer, Uh, somebody raised their hand and asked in that undergraduate course, they said, Dr. Effler, I have a question for you today. How many people would you say on average you actually help when you counsel them? And the good doctor, who was a brilliant man, sat back and thought, and he said, this is not at all a scientific approach to answering this question. But he said, probably one in five people that I meet with Actually, makes a life change and the class just went one in five who go and meet the counselor actually do the things to get free and to break through that hurt hang up or habit many years later I was sitting in a seminary course my graduate work and somebody raised their hand and I believe they asked Dr. Wardle Dr. Wardle how many people would you say make changes once they come to see you And he said, oh, I don't know, 20%, one out of five, something like that. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And then he looked at us wryly and said, you still want to be a counselor? (laughs) They both said something as they were beginning to discuss this issue that it's very hard to make life change and gain freedom. And you've probably heard it many times in your own circles that you run in. People don't change until they hit rock bottom, right? People don't change until they get to the very basic level of, I have nothing else I can do, Uh, everything is not working, I have really, really uh, messed up my life, and I'm not going to change until I hit rock bottom. But I want to tell you today, there is hope having to do with that statement. Because you and I have seen, and we have found collectively, That there is one thing that will help people to change, that will help people to get free, and that will help people to break the bondages in their life that can take place before they hit rock bottom. And do you know what that is? It's encountering Jesus Christ. He has the power to help us overcome our hurts and our habits And our hang-ups long before we get to the place that we are at rock bottom Some of you maybe came in here today and you said pastor Matt. I'm at rock bottom. Can you do it for me anyways? And the answer is yes Jesus has the power to help you overcome his spirit that he has poured out on humanity gives us the power to overcome those things that tie us in chains I want to relate a story to you this morning about this, and it's one of the most familiar stories in the scriptures. In fact, I've preached from this passage in the last two years, so please don't zone out at me, because I am coming at it from a different angle this morning. This particular passage has a song associated with it, and all of you kids who have grown up in church could sing it. It goes like this, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was... Climbed up in the sycamore. We don't have to sing the whole thing, okay? Now, for those of you who don't yet know Christ or who is visiting today, you think you have just entered a cult because we we just sang that little weird tune together. But there's a little song about this story, and it it captures the essence of what's going on here. I want to talk to you today about a man who changed, who overcame his hang-up long before he hit rock bottom. Could you read with me, if you have your Bibles, in Luke chapter 19? Luke chapter 19. You can turn there if you have them, and we'll be reading in just a moment the story of Zacchaeus. I am also putting a $5 bounty on the heads of any flies that you may kill (laughs) in the service today. Uh, So $5 is yours. Uh, Just see a trustee after service. Don't see me. And uh, $5 bounty on flies. Are you in Luke chapter 19? All right. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. Now, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead, and he climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus! Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down, and he was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He is gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because Zacchaeus too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, if you sit in church for any length of time, you get these character sketches of different biblical characters. You get character sketches of people like Pharisees. You get character sketches of people like Sadducees. And you get a character sketch of people like a tax collector now we have this amazing response of the crowd when jesus says he's coming to this man's house they all grumbled and said oh no jesus can't go there now there is no modern day equivalent to just the 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 persona of a tax collector I racked my brain this week to try to think of something that would make you as morally outraged as a tax collector would have made that first century audience in Judea outraged. So I'm gonna paint you a little picture to see if we can maybe get a hold of how outrageous this was that Jesus was going to a tax collector's home. Imagine for just a moment, and don't laugh when I say this, that the Canadians make a deal with the Chinese and decide to invade America, all right? And they come through the Great Lakes and they manage to take over the entire state of Ohio. So the Canadian-Chinese contingent has now rules us. Got it? All right. You're like, this is the worst analogy you have ever used. All right. Follow with me. The, 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 the rulers announced to us immediately, we will no longer be taking an income tax out of your pay. And everybody says, "Yeah, wonderful, no more income tax. But they say, this is what we'll do we will have well-to-do folks within the community by the post of tax collector in your neighborhood. Somebody name for me their street name. What's your street name? Hawthorne, Hawthorne what else? Carlisle. Carlisle? Starline, all right. So I'm going to take, Do you say Hawkins? Hawthorne, Hawthorne and Starline, and I, I'm going to pay the Chinese-Canadian government for the right to tax on those two streets. So they pay for it. Then they come down your street one day and they say, hey, we heard you made 50 grand this year. Your tax bill is 20. And you say, well, hold on a minute. I, I was told that, that I, I wouldn't be taxed at, 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 at 20%. I would be taxed at 15%. And let's just say I was the tax collector. I'd say, well, I know that you're only taxed at 15% per the government, but I have operating costs. And so your tax bill now is 20% of your income. You owe me 10 grand, not whatever 15% would be. Don't ask me to do the math. That's why I'm a pastor. (laughs) And I go around to all the houses on Hawthorne and Starline, and I try to gauge how wealthy they are, and then I set a tax rate for them based on what I want my income to be. Would you hate me? Despise me just a little bit. That's who a tax collector was. Their entire income was based on the overage that they charged people. And they worked for the rich oppressors who had come and taken over your nation. That's who a tax collector was. Imagine that for just a minute. See, in this case, it was the Roman government who had come in and they'd conquered Judea. And then one of your very neighbors, not a Roman, not a Roman, One of your brothers and sisters in the Jewish faith paid to have the ability to tax you and then took as much money as they wanted from you because they had their hired thugs behind them that could take care of business. Can you imagine why they all gasped? These tax collectors were turncoats. They betrayed their own people. They had used their modest wealth to buy position within the government, and then they defrauded people, their neighbors, The people they'd grown up with and gone to church with and stole their money. That's who Zacchaeus was. Now can you see the outrage of the crowd that day? They were horrified at what Jesus does. Now let's look a little bit into the character sketch of Zacchaeus here. It says he was a very rich man, which shouldn't surprise us because he's a tax collector. It also says that he was a chief tax collector. In the Greek that says a ruler among the tax collector. Usually, in the New Testament, when ruler is mentioned, that means that he is very well politically connected. So he is somebody that is, if you will, working hand-in-hand hand with the Roman government to keep his thumb on his friends and his neighbors. But something in Zacchaeus's life isn't working, because it says that he wanted to see who Jesus was. Now, if I said, you know, I want to see Jane, i just say... I want to see Jane. But if I say, I want to see who Jane is, what am I implying? I'm implying that I want to know more about her. I want to know a a deeper truth about who she is. The Greek language has a very easy way of saying, I want to see somebody. But that's not what Luke writes here. Zacchaeus wanted to know who Jesus was. He'd heard about this prophet, this holy man, this healer. So much so that he goes out in the crowd in Jericho that day and he tries to make his way to see this man. But he can't. Because according to the song that we sang, he was a wee little man. Now, some commentators look at that short in stature statement and they say something a little bit different. They think, Perhaps the biblical author was not denoting that Zacchaeus was short because it says he couldn't see on account of the crowd. Some commentators believe, and this isn't gospel, don't go telling some a friend that this is exactly what this means, it's just a theory, that perhaps the shortness and stature mentioned was his social standing, his social standing, and literally the crowd would not let that horrid tax collector get anywhere near Jesus. Because of his low standing. Some commentators believe this is what's actually being referred to. Now you're not going to believe that because it would mess up your song. So you don't have to. You like singing wee little man and a wee little man was he. But, but some commentators believe that. Either way he can't get to Jesus to hear him, to see him. And so he runs ahead of the crowd and he climbs up in a sycamore tree. This would have been a very humiliating thing for a man in that time period to do. I can't help it, but when I hear of people sitting in trees, don't you sort of see the Von Trapp children swinging out of those trees as their dad drives under them? Climbing a tree isn't the most dignified thing in the world, is it? Yet the Von Trapp children did it, yet Zacchaeus does it here. This would have been in the ancient Near East something that a man, just a man, would have never done. But a man who is a ruler among the people certainly would have never done. That a man who obviously has some high status wouldn't have considered doing. You just didn't climb trees. That was a humiliating thing to do. Yet something in Zacchaeus makes him decide to run ahead of the crowd to find out who Jesus is. And he is willing, if it means encountering Jesus, to climb a tree and look like an idiot. I just want to stop for just a minute, because we know what happens at the end of the story. I just read it to you. I wonder what would have happened that day if someone had stopped Zacchaeus right before he ran ahead and said, hey, hey, Zach, stop. You do not want to run up there and climb that tree. I know what you're thinking. Well, why don't I? Number one, it's humiliating. But number two, if you climb up that tree, by the end of the day, you will have given away most of your fortune. Do you think he would have gone? We don't know the answer to that question, but that is the outcome of the story, isn't it? But something in this man's life is not working. And that is what's causing him to desperately want to see who Jesus is. I imagine in a crowd of this size, there's a few of you who might fit into the Zacchaeus camp today. You're here and you wouldn't call yourself a professing Christian Maybe you're just curious to see what this God thing is all about. Maybe there's something in your life that simply isn't working. Well, I want to warn you today, just like nobody warns Zacchaeus. If you encounter Jesus Christ, everything in your life will change. Everything in your life will change. But I want to make you another promise today, if you're in the camp of Zacchaeus today, before we move on. If you allow Jesus to encounter you in your life, he will get right to the heart of your dysfunction. What was Zacchaeus' dysfunction? What was his hang-up? Greed. Somebody said it. Good, good. This is, this is the Bible study section. I, I like you. Yeah. Let's study lamentations after service. I'll meet you right here. <laughs> Greed was the issue. What causes a man to think to himself, you know what I'll do? I'm going to buy one of those positions from the Romans so I can become a tax collector. I'm going to go ahead and work with the oppressors to tax my neighbors. And then I'm going to go ahead and defraud them over and over and over and over again as I build wealth. Could you imagine in our scenario where that Canadian-Chinese contingent takes over Ohio? I can't help but say that and laugh. But can you imagine that moment? And me, the tax collector, comes on to... Hawthorne and Skyline and at first I'm driving a little 20 year old Pontiac Sunfire Uh, and the next time I come around I'm driving a Ford Focus and the next time I come around all of a sudden I'm driving the Escalade and you're getting poorer and poorer and I'm getting richer and richer and you can't believe that I'm on your street again willing to take from you haven't I had enough? Well, apparently Zacchaeus up to this point had not gotten enough because he continues to do what he's doing. And obviously from the end of the story, you know he is very, very wealthy. He's not taxing people at pennies on the dollar for his operating costs. He's defrauding people to take from them. He needs Jesus. What does Jesus do immediately? He calls Zacchaeus... Out of isolation. You say, why? Was he in the tree alone? No, that's not what I mean. Look at verse 7. Who grumbled against Jesus going to meet Zacchaeus? All of them. Everybody. All. Now, Luke, the writer of this gospel, was a doctor, he wrote with precision. He was very, very careful with every single word that he used to describe the story. If Luke says all, he means all. Everybody there knew who Zacchaeus was, save perhaps Jesus and his small retinue. Everybody in that town knew that this man was bad news, and that means Zacchaeus was in a very isolated place, didn't have a lot of people on his side. Not a lot of people who saw things his way or could understand where he was coming from. In fact, all denotes that nobody could understand where Zacchaeus was coming from. This is certainly one of these Matthew 5-3 people that we talked about last week. This dude is spiritually poor. He's He's got nothing winsome about his character for the entire crowd to go, Oh no! What is Jesus doing He can't go there. That guy is guilty as all get out. And what does Jesus do? Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm going to your house today. I wonder if there was a smile on Jesus' face as he walked down that road and saw that ruler among the tax collectors sitting up in the tree. I must go to your house today knowing that the divine appointment was there and that he was going to shake up everybody's world in an instant. Because by Jesus saying to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, I'm coming into your home today. In the ancient Near Eastern culture, that meant acceptance. I accept you, Zacchaeus. I care about you. For me to step into your home is to say that you have worth. That's what it meant in the ancient world. To step into somebody's home is to immediately say, this is my friend and they have worth. You wouldn't don the doors of a household of a sinner or somebody that you didn't believe had worth. Jesus says, listen, I don't care about the amount of guilt that you carry. I do not care about the condemnation that this crowd would love to heap on you. I wonder if there was a split second in the crowd that day where Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down from there, where the crowd thought in just a moment, oh, Jesus is going to get him. Jesus is going to go ahead and tell him what a jerk he's been, how wrong he's been, how he's wrecked our neighborhood, how he's broken the trust, how he's stolen our money. Jesus is going to pound this guy into the dust. And that's not what Jesus does at all. Jesus says, let's go have a meal. Sound good? I'm coming over to accept the hospitality of your home. What a turnabout. To Jesus, the level of guilt and condemnation that Zacchaeus felt and the level of guilt and condemnation that those hurt by Zacchaeus felt was not an issue It was not an issue. Jesus was completely unimpressed with the guilt and shame level of Zacchaeus. And he was unimpressed with the guilt and shamefulness of the situation that Zacchaeus found himself in because Jesus had a unique perspective and it was that he was entirely focused on the man Zacchaeus could become. Unimpressed with the past because he was so certain and sure of what Zacchaeus' future could hold. That's the power that Jesus displays in people's life, and the acceptance in this moment is the key that I do not want us to miss. So, as we read the rest of the story, we find out that Zacchaeus all of a sudden has the strength to forge a new identity he gives away half of all he owns to the poor. And he pays back four times the amount of anybody that he has robbed. His entire fortune dwindled in a moment. Could it have been Then Zacchaeus knew exactly what his dysfunction was? Could it have been that Zacchaeus knew that he was a greedy man. He knew that he had no path back to respectability. He knew that no matter how hard he had tried, there would not be a way back. But he was curious about this Jesus anyways, and that in response to the acceptance of Jesus, he has the power to become the man that he was always supposed to become. He he didn't look at Jesus and go, Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming to my house. I've had a problem with fried food for years. And I know now that you've loved and accepted me that I will no longer be eating french fries. That wasn't the heart of his dysfunction. The heart of this man's dysfunction was his greed, It had been driving his life for years. And something that happened in this interaction with Jesus allowed him to begin to forge a new identity in an instant. What had happened? What had happened? Here in church, we talk about the moment that we accept Jesus into our hearts. We talk about that as being the time that we got saved, that we became a child of God. And that's an important theme that we see here at the end of this story. Jesus says, surely today this man is a child of Abraham. In essence, that was a way in the Jewish world as saying what we would say today, he's a Christian. He's in. You don't need to worry about his salvation anymore. He's He's one of us. Could you imagine the crowd looking in Zacchaeus' windows going, one of us? No way. He's a jerk. He's a crook. We have to understand this story set against the massive backdrop of guilt and shame and condemnation that Jesus stepped into with this man. And I want to tell you that what gave Zacchaeus the power to change was not some inner strength. And what gave him the power to change was not the plan that he had. I know what I'll do today. I'm going to go out to the Jericho Road. I'm going to climb up in a tree. I'm going to look so stupid that Jesus will have to stop. And if he stops, I'm going to say, who are you? And maybe he'll pray over me and I won't be greedy anymore. This wasn't Zacchaeus' plan. What gave Zacchaeus the power to change his identity? He was accepted by Jesus. Jesus accepts Zacchaeus into his heart before Zacchaeus accepts Jesus into his Jesus did all the hard work. No matter the personal injury to his ministry, no matter the folks who would fall away because it looked silly for Jesus and wrong for Jesus to do this, Jesus accepted Zacchaeus into his heart before Zacchaeus ever accepted Jesus into his. That is the story of broken bondage right there. That the very son of God wants to take human beings in their place of brokenness, bondage, guilt, and shame and say, I'll start with you right there. Whatever your hurt, whatever your hang-up, whatever your habits, I love you and I accept you. You may have wrecked every relationship with your family but I love you, and I accept you. You may be such a fake and a phony. The person that they see in church is nothing like the person your family at at home. Jesus says, I love you, and I accept you. He doesn't accept the behavior. Don't hear me wrong this morning. Jesus doesn't accept greed. The people who Jesus encountered, he often said, go and sin no more. Before he lifts a man off the mat, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. You see, Jesus recognized that human beings carry in their persons a level of bondage and brokenness and sin that only he can restore and only he can heal. Only he can do it. There was no one else in the world with the power to restore Zacchaeus except Jesus Christ. Bible trivia question, Luke 15. What was the name of the prodigal son? What was his name? We don't know. But we do know Zacchaeus' name. And this is the prodigal son in real life, not just a parable. Turned his back on everybody and everything that he knew. And Jesus brings him back into acceptance with open arms. You say, Pastor Matt, what do you want me to do with this? Do you want me to be more accepting of people? Love the sin or hate the sin, is that where we're going? Those are good concepts. But I want us to get stopped and stay at the most important concept this morning. That the power to forge new identities and to change lives resides in one person and one person only. And it's Jesus. And he loves you right where you're at because he sees where you're going. He's not going to focus on the guilt and the sin and the condemnation because he's already dealt with that in the cross. He wants you to change that and he wants you to be healed, but he wants to begin working with you right now. No matter how much guilt you feel, no matter how much shame you feel, regardless of what you've messed up, regardless of all the paths you've gone down that have spread. That have not been God's way he wants you right now if he can break the greed in Zacchaeus he can break the bonds of whatever is holding you he loves you and he accepts you and he wants to draw close to you Zacchaeus did do something very wise that day you say what? He gave up his fortune. Well, yeah, that, that was wise. That was getting right at the heart of his dysfunction. That helped break the bondage in his life. But Zacchaeus recognized that he had to encounter Jesus. He had to encounter Jesus. Because what he was doing wasn't working. And I, I don't know if you are in church out of curiosity this morning, or you've been in church for 60 years, But the path to healing, wholeness, and the identity that God has given you is to encounter Jesus in humility. Zacchaeus had to climb a tree. What do you have to do? Sometimes Jesus asks us to do the most painful thing possible. He, asked Zacchae- he didn't ask Zacchaeus to do the most painful thing possible. Zacchaeus just did it. He gave away his fortune. He might ask you to abstain from your habit or your hang-up. He might ask you to go seek forgiveness from the persons that you've wronged. He might ask you to commit yourself fully to something for the first time in your life. But I want to tell you, Jesus Christ has been lifting people up and setting them free since the beginning of time. He was the lamb crucified and slain from the foundation of the world, meant to bring people back into right relationship with God and to become the people that they were meant to be. Today, are you willing to encounter him? And are you willing to recognize that your encounter with him is not based on the whip? It's based in love and acceptance. That he wants to wrap you in his arms and help you to become the person that you were designed to be. That's who Jesus is, and that's what he can do. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Lord Jesus, we declare in this place today that many of us here need an encounter with you. Lord, we recognize in this place today that you have already accepted us into your heart. Will we continue to accept you into ours? Jesus, only you have the power to get to the heart of our dysfunction. If Zacchaeus could have changed before that day, he would have, but he didn't. He needed the Lord. He needed the Savior. God, we admit to you today that there's places where we need freedom, places where we need strength, places where we need to forge a new identity, and we need to draw close to Jesus to see who you are, Know we are loved and to experience your power. Today, if you desire in this place to say, you know what, I'm perfectly ready to humble myself, perfectly ready to encounter God, there are parts of my life that just aren't working and I just need Jesus. I tell you today, he is waiting for you with open arms. He wants you to hear his voice today and respond to it. Today, if you are here, and you say, Pastor Matt, right now in this moment, I need to respond to Jesus. I believe that he has been walking down the road of my life for a while now. And all I need to do is make contact with him. I want to be made new. I want to have my life changed. The offer that Jesus makes to you is the best offer that you will ever receive. A Lord worth serving. A Savior who can change you and give you life eternal in heaven. And connection to the Father who has loved you since before you were a twinkle in your parents' eye. Do you need to respond to him today? you say, Pastor Matt, I'm willing to respond today. I'm willing to climb that sycamore tree to meet Jesus because I know he's been coming down the road of my life for a long time. I want you to stand right where you are right now. Just Stand right where you are. You humble yourself. Say, God, I need to encounter you. I need to encounter you. I know a lot about church, I've seen a lot of good people, some bad people, but I recognize right now I need to encounter you. I need to encounter you. It's not about the faith of my parents, it's not about the faith of my spouse, it's not about the faith of the people who brought me here. I want to encounter God. Who else this morning needs to stand? Jesus has already accepted you into his heart. Will you accept him into yours? I'm going to invite everybody in this place to pray this prayer with me today. And I just invite you to not recite it without your heart, but recite it heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I am in need of a new identity, the power to change. a savior. Would you be that to me? I understand today that your love and acceptance is mine. Today I ask you to come into my life to begin the process of making me clean and making me whole. God, I ask you to change me and to make me the person who I was born to be. I pray this in Jesus' name.